Hello, thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April King, and I am the Associate Pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We would also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. We're going to finish Psalm 23 this morning. I, I, I know, I recognize I left a lot on the table. I have limited opportunities to speak. Um, so I, I asked the Lord, actually, what my friends in Zurich needed to hear. And so there were particular passages that I isolated from Psalm 23. And this, this last passage is the end. It's the final passage. Notice in Psalm 23 that it's about God from beginning to end. It begins, the Lord is my shepherd, and that it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's bookmarked by who the Lord is, and it's always, he makes me lie down. He leads me besides. He restores. He leads me in paths. I fear no evil because you are with me. You prepare a table. This morning, we're going to look at the very last verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the most challenging and difficult things that we have to face is our lack of control and our lack of knowledge about the future. And God knows this, and so he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God keeps us secure. God never fails us. We have the opportunity, like no other folks, and I want to stress this, no one outside of that who follows the good shepherd, who hears the voice of the shepherd and follows and obeys, and who will be obedient and lay their lives down and follow and follow and follow when there is no no lack of understanding, pain, your giving of yourself, there's loss involved. Only those people who follow the shepherd have security, have a secure life. And we have a secure life because of that verse I just read. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first thing I wanna share this morning is that we have security because God is watching over you and I. There is not any place or any time in our lives that God is not watching over us. There are 8 billion people on planet Earth, and God is watching and knows every single person. He knows when they go to sleep. He knows when they rise. He knows their regrets. He knows their joys. He knows their pain and sorrow. He knows what fires them up. This is a God who knows all 8 billion people 
on the world. And he knows the trillions of stars. And he keeps track and knows you and loves you. And every detail of your life is known to him, the highs and the lows. Why does God keep track of you? Why does God care about you? We are in Zurich, Ontario, Canada. Have you traveled anywhere before? Have you tried to explain where you're from? I'm from Toronto, and if you tried to explain where Zurich was, even when I was in the GTA, I'd go, where's that? God knows. He knows. Why? Because he is a good God. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked things he will destroy. The reality is that God has protected you from more things than you'll ever know. There are things in your life that you ask, God, why did you let this happen? But there's a multitude of things that God did not let happen, a multitude of situation and events. And I know this is an argument from silence, but it is true. We do not know the things that God has protected us from. The stop that was inconvenient for us could have protected you from tragedy. You say, but why didn't he protect? He's a good God. And we have to trust him. I like what this gentleman said. We don't have all the answers, but we know who does. How does God protect you? Have you talked about angels lately in your church? Do you know angels are real? Do you know that he, God gives charge over angels to protect those? In Psalm 91.11, it says, God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. That there are events and things that are being orchestrated that are for your good, that you have no idea about. There is a, a new spin, Gail, on missorts in, in the Canada Post. There was a woman who learned that her child that she was carrying had Down syndrome. And she was considering whether or not she wanted to continue on with the pregnancy or to give the child up for adoption or to have an abortion. So she decided on a whim to go speak to a pastor. And this pastor began to share with her God's word, God's promises, his truths, things that we can be secure in. And the the, the young lady thanked the pastor and she went away and the pastor thought, you know what? I want to continue to encourage this young mother. And so he got a postcard and he wrote promises of God out on this postcard and he mailed it. The problem was that that postcard did not get to the young mother. It got to another person in town. And that person received the postcard and they read it. And because the correct address was on it, this person decided to go and hand deliver the postcard to this woman. And she said, I thought you needed to have this postcard. It's very important. And I also wanted to share with you that my son has Down syndrome. And you will not walk alone. I'll walk with you. See, Miss Sorts aren't bad to Gail. So you just tell your supervisor next time you get in trouble that Pastor Frank said, Miss Sorts have a purpose. My point is that surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Now remember, King David wrote this psalm. 
Did goodness and mercy follow him? Does, does it mean that goodness and mercy is assured, that we will only experience goodness and mercy? No, that didn't happen to David, the author of this particular psalm. He, was, he, had, a, he had a miserable times in his life. It doesn't mean that only good things are going to happen to you. It means that God will always bring good out of the bad. <clears throat> that you cannot control what's going to happen in your life, but God is in control of that life. And the good shepherd will always bring good out of the bad. Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. For they are called according to his purposes. Listen, anyone can bring good out of good. Anyone can have a lot of money and do a lot of good with it. But God's speciality is bringing good things out of bad things. That's what God's promise is to us. He directs our lives. If we love him, if we trust him, if he is our good shepherd. There are plenty of things I could share with you this morning about things, diagnoses, problems in the family, things that have happened, my own sin that have destroyed people, the lies and duplicitousness of my heart, I can share you about these things that ground, that ground the people I love into the ground. And yet God has used these things for his good. Because he took my life and he changed it and he transformed it. And now there's something new. The people closest to me know I'm a wretch. But they also see God's love. They see God's grace. They see God's mercy. We know that God, we can be secure because God is good. He's watching over us. And as he's watching over us, God's grace is working in us. Surely your mercy, goodness, and mercy will be good. We can know and we can, what's our response to God's watching us? It's to be grateful and generous. It is to be grateful and generous Give thanks continually to our Lord because he is so good, because his mercy will never run out. Why was worship so powerful this morning? Because we began thanking God for who and what he is, for who and what he does. Next, in Hebrews 12, 28, whoops. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, meaning we are going into a kingdom, we belong to a kingdom that will never fall, that will never be shaken. This Hebrews was written around the fall of Jerusalem, and the author of Hebrews is saying, Jerusalem's fallen. There is no stone left on, unturned. The temple's gone, but we belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And with that knowledge, we are grateful. We are able to be grateful. We are able to have hearts of thankfulness. As a matter of fact, the most healthy thing you can do for your brain and your brain chemistry is to be grateful. When you wake up in the morning, before you get going, you should have 10 things on your mind that you're grateful for because that will actually transform the chemicals in your brain. You will have joy and you will have peace and you will have balance. You will not be reactive. You will be able to in take people for who they are and where they're coming from and you'll be able to respond with grace. We'll be talking about that in a second. So here's the thing. 
30 days, here's my challenge for the church. For 30 days, no complaining. <laughs> why, you la- why is everyone laughing? I didn't say you had to lose like pounds or anything. Like it's 30 days, no, no complaining. Absolutely no complaint. If you want to start after the snow and after it gets cold, you can start after. Because I know we're gonna get, it's going to get cold, right? So if you want to wait till Monday, Tuesday passes and then start your 30 days, start your 30 days after that. But, but seriously, if you commit to not complaining for the next 30 days, and if you start, you just catch yourself, you don't, don't beat yourself up, say, oh yeah, I'm not supposed to be complaining. See what happens. It will actually transform the way that you see the world, the way that you interact with people. You'll have God's grace working in you. Isaiah 60 verse 10 says, Foreigners will come to rebuild your town, and their kings will serve you. For though I have destroyed you in my anger, God destroys. I just want to pause for a second because I don't have that high, but God actually does destroy. I know we don't like that, why? To rebuild. Though I have destroyed you in my anger, I will now have mercy on you through my grace. Picture a coin. Grace on one side, mercy on the other. Grace is, sorry, mercy is grace in action. Mercy is grace in action. Grace is when God gives me what I don't deserve. So, I don't deserve the breath. I don't deserve the heartbeat. I don't deserve your attention. I don't deserve a car. I don't deserve to live in Canada. There's many things I don't deserve. It's God's grace. And God's mercy is when he withholds what I do deserve. When I gossip. When I'm lazy. When I am harsh with my children. I deserve condemnation. I deserve to be judged. I deserve to be reprimanded. But God's grace gives me all the things I need, and he withholds the things that I deserve. And that's the same for you. It's the same for me. This is true of God. This is why he is a good God. He is a good shepherd. He is leading us with goodness and mercy, and we all need mercy. We all need grace. It doesn't say that God, that justice will follow me all the days of my life. Do you know it's goodness and mercy, not justice. Because if justice follows me, I'm going to be destroyed. And I'm going to wager, so will you. Psalm 103, if you struggle with a heavy heart and a guilty conscience, I would commit Psalm 103. Psalm 103 lists a number of ways that show God's grace and mercy. I'm starting at verse 10. But it, it says that he forgives me. He forgives all my sins. That he heals me. That he ransoms me from hell, that he surrounds me with loving kindness, that he fills my life with good things. He is merciful and tender towards me. And then he makes us, we make our way to verse 10. He does not deal with us according to our sins, 
nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him, who call him the shepherd. As far as the east is from the west, so does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, who, those who say, you are my shepherd. And here's the problem. Some of you don't believe that God has compassion for you. So uh, we're going to do a freedom session grad in May, God willing. Universally, the freedom session journey involves going deep into your own life, into your own heart, and your own soul. And invariably, you come to these places in your life where you say, God cannot forgive this. God cannot forgive the damage I've caused my children. God cannot forgive the, uh, the selfishness and restore a marriage. God can, this is the complete opposite of that. Because let's face it, we don't feel like God loves us. We don't feel like God's gracious. We don't feel like he's merciful. We don't feel like he's watching or like he cares. I never once said anything about feelings. Your feelings are always lying to you. I'm sorry to tell you. If, I'm sorry if you love Disney and you watch the Disney and, all, like, and just go with your feelings and do A and do... God is not talking about your feelings. God doesn't, he cares about your feelings, but these are his promises, regardless of how you feel. God does not have a grudge against you. God is not trying to wound you. He, is, he does not hate you. You, ha- you have to come to this place where you can forgive yourself because that's the issue. We can't forgive ourselves because we have pride. But God's grace is 24 Seven. There is never a time when God will not forgive you. And now I'm talking about habitual sins because some of us think we're off the hook because that was a one-off. I lost my temper. I, I said something. Okay, what about the things you do all the time? What about the things that you look at all the time? What about the words you use all the time? What about your attitude and the anger you have in your heart all the time? What about the withdrawing and the, and of your, from your spouse or your loved ones all the time? Those, 24-7. God's grace and his mercy are 20. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Every day for your whole life. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Do you have a time of need? Do you need grace and mercy? Or are you doing okay on your own? Those who know they need grace and mercy are the sheep and they follow the shepherd. If you think that you don't need grace and mercy, if some, the things I'm speaking to you right now aren't really resonating, that's okay, that just might be something else. But it also may be that you're not a sheep. And you need to say, Lord, I want that though. I do need this. 
those with toddlers, those with little children, everywhere they go is a mess. Everywhere they step is a mess. And your mother is picking up after you everywhere you go. And you can go and visit the, the household of a mother with little kids, and you'll see it's a complete disaster. But the mother continues to pick up. God continues to pick up after us, to restore us, to clean us, to make us new, to renew us. Because surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Not just Mondays and Wednesdays and Fridays, you get grace. Tuesdays and Thursdays, mercy, and the weekends you're on your own. It's all the time, all the days, for every particular thing. Call out to him if you're stuck, if you're trapped, and he'll be gracious to you. Because what does God want you to experience his grace for? So you know his goodness, but also so you'll be gracious with other people. Are you gracious with other people? Do you cut people slack? Do you let people off the hook? Are you able to be offended without being offensive to other people? Ephesians 4 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Are you gracious? Because if you're gracious, that means you understand God's grace. And if you're not gracious, if you're cantankerous, if you're angry, if you're short, if you're curt, you do not know his grace. You might just know fear. 1 John 4, 16 says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear. Fear means that I think that God is not merciful. I think God is not grateful. I think he's going to punish me. Fear is about punishment. And if I don't perform, then I'm going to be punished. And that's fear. That's fear. And the one who is fearful, they're ungracious, they're angry, they're short, they're bitter, and they're not mature in love. But every time you invite God's love into your heart, his mercy and his grace. It's like inviting God into the front door. And every time you invite God's love into the front door, fear goes out the back door. But every time you choose fear, you choose performance, you, you choose image management, you choose to judge people to make you feel better, you're responding in fear. And when you let fear in the front door, God's love always goes out the back door. And you can't live in both worlds. You can't live in a world where I'm as good as I perform and have grace. Those two things are mutually ex exclusive. We who understand that we have been forgiven, we who know our shame has been removed, that we are not rejected by God, we are filled with God's grace. And so when people attack us, and when people confront us, and when people let us down, and they betray us, and they lie, and they say things about me, it doesn't affect me. I don't respond in fear of them. I respond with love. And we all know people in our lives who will not let people off the hook. They will not forgive. They will not let that person off. It's not grace. It's not grace. Lastly, God's goodness watches. 
His grace is in us, and we have God's glory waiting for us in the end. God's glory waiting for us in the end. That's heaven. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two weeks ago, I did a funeral for somebody. He was an acquaintance. Um, I'd met him uh, doing different things. And uh, he had passed away, and his family, actually his son, his son had special needs. And we used, he, and my, he and I, the son, used to go out to Subway and have lunch. And he asked if I would do his dad's funeral. So I talked with the family, and um, they said, we, we really appreciated the funeral that you did for another family member because you gave the gospel message. And we want you to give the gospel message again at this funeral. But we have a problem. We don't believe that the deceased really lived out a Christian faith. We think that he was a good person. We think he did nice things. But we think he did his own thing. We think he lived his own life. And we're kind of sheepish around you giving a gospel message at this particular funeral because... We're not sure where he is. David ends, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I said, I have a professor that told this great story. I asked, could I share that with the family? They said, yeah, sure. I'm going to share it now to finish. So Dr. Tom Dow, does anyone know Tom Dow? One person, maybe. Yeah, two couple. Dr. Tom Dow was a um, professor at Emmanuel Bible College when I was there. It was his la- I was there my first year, and it was his last year. He was retiring. And we were in a class, Minor Prophets, and he told this story about his mom. He grew up in the East Coast, and he said that his mom was terribly afflicted with alcohol. Terribly afflicted. She was at the pub every single night, and um, he and his brother, Tom Dow and his brother, used to go to the pub around 11 o'clock, 12 midnight, to carry his mom home from the pub every single night. And every night that he'd carry the mom home, they were both Christians, and they would give the mom the gospel. They would remind her that Jesus loved her, that she wasn't defined by her sins, that she could at any time turn and find the Lord. And Every night was the same thing. She'd show up at the pub every night. They'd take her home, put her to bed every night. And one night, the brothers show up at the pub, and she's not there. And they say, praise the Lord. She stayed home. She finally accepted the invitation to change, that she didn't have to do this for her peace, for her sanity, for her comfort. She stayed home, and so they just went home because it was late, and the next night, just out of habit, they show up at the pub again, and she's not there again. Let's go home and check. So they go home, they open the door, and there's a scent, and they find their mother. She'd passed away in her sleep, And Tom said, is my mom in heaven? Will she dwell in the house of the Lord forever? 
He says, I don't know. But I know the shepherd. I know the judge. I know he is good. I know he is full of grace. I know he is full of mercy. I don't know where my mother is, but I know whom she will go to see and meet. And he is fair and he is good and he is gracious and he is merciful, full of love, long compassion. He is the good shepherd. Is he your good shepherd? He can be. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days. Promise, 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 promise. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Promise is Christ your shepherd. Let me pray for you. Father God, we thank you that you have promised us in your house no more sorrow no more sadness, no more sin, no more tears, no more pain. Those things are not promised now, but what is promised now is your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, and that we can live and experience that all the rest of our days until we come to meet you, whenever that is. So Lord, I just pray for my friends. I pray that their hearts would be encouraged, that they would know that there is a God who knows them, not just as some one of the eight billion, but knows them has created them, called them to follow. Lord, would you give us a heart of response this morning? Would you, Father God, allow us to lay down our habitual sins, our weaknesses and infirmities? Father God, would you help us to rest in you and not in our performance? Would we look to your goodness and to your ideas of who we are and not the world's? Father God, would you remind those who are waiting for housing that you have a house for them, that you are in it, you are from the beginning to end, leading and guiding them, Lord, that you will, in fact, find them a place to stay. You will not leave or abandon them, Father. You are here. All the days of our lives, we are receiving goodness and mercy. Father God, we pray for our loved ones who are far from you, who don't want to hear about you, who are heart sick because they're in so much pain. Lord, would you find them? Would you help them to see you, Lord? We pray for them. We call out for them now, Lord. And help us to follow after you, knowing that you pick us up, you spur us on, and you have us in your hand. And no, not anything can snatch us from the hand of the Father. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.